0: Welcome everyone to Celtic Preacher, Podcast 47, and today we're looking at what happens when life does not go according to plan. Unsettling times, times of transition, times of change. What's plan B? Maybe we don't even have a plan B. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Times of change, times of transition. Transition. Yeah, sometimes it can be very unsettling, can't it? I mean, not all change is welcomed. It's welcomed if it's our idea, but if it's not our idea, uh, not necessarily welcomed. It can be quite stressful. Well, the disciples this morning, uh, my morning, not yours, of course, the disciples today are going through times of change. Here's the timeline. It's 40 days after Easter, and big changes are happening in the first students of Jesus' lives. Now, remember, the thing about these early disciples as these first students is that what happens in their lives and the way they, they react, we can see ourselves in them. So it's always interesting for us to take a look at the text take a look at the particular text and then we extract from the particular text these universal applications so these big changes are happening for these first students because Jesus is leaving now remember the timeline was he, he died which is what the church called Good Friday then we had Easter morning the women go to the tomb he's alive He's not in the tomb. Now, after that, he's only with them 40 days. And after that 40th day, he leaves them. Physically, that is. No longer will he be with them physically. No longer will they speak to him face to face. The church calls this particular time the ascension, because he rises up and he leaves their presence. You can read about it in uh, the Book of Acts, chapter one, one through eleven. No longer will he, will they be listening to him teach in the same way as in He's sitting there in front of them, and and they can ask him questions. It's not going to be like that anymore. No longer will they see him perform miracles and healings in the same way. It's like, welcome to our world, first disciples. This is our world right? After 40 days, these first disciples will have to learn an entirely different way of relating to Jesus because he will no longer be with them in the physical sense. So this is a time of change. It's a time of transition. And as you know, changes can be stressful. Not all changes are welcomed, especially if you think you might lose something. But the thing about an upset in our daily routine, the thing about transition or changes or new directions or things not going according to plan, these times, if viewed in the right way, These unsettling times, if if viewed in the right way, um, we can learn so many lessons during unsettling times. So many things that help us and strengthen us and empower us. You know, rather than worry or stress or anxiously control, what is fascinating is is that we see these first disciples face the unknown with joy. Joy. (laughs) <laughs> How in the world can you face the unknown with joy? I mean what what did these first students know that we've forgotten? Because <laughs> that's what Luke says, or you know, Luke tells us. Uh, by the way, the the writer of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the good news according to Luke, is the same one, the same writer who wrote the book of Acts, which follows it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's just the Acts of the first leaders of the church. So he kind of continues his story. So Luke starts off with the gospel, the good news of Jesus, tells all about his birth and his ministry and his miracles and his death and his resurrection. And then in book two, he goes on to the book of the Acts, and now he's saying, now I'm going to tell you all about what happened after Jesus left. After the ascension, after he left the disciples and, and physically, I'm going to tell you what happened after that. So that's why the book of the Acts starts with what the church has come to know be called the, the ascension. So anyways, um, times have changed. Now, e- even when we're going through good changes, it can still be unsettling. A new baby's born, or I get married, or I graduate, or I choose my career. You know, choosing a career can be quite stressful, can't it? Am I, or I, or a, a major in college. Am I, you know, this is going to affect my whole life. This is kind of scary. Am I doing the right thing? Or it could be something like um, changes like a parent dies, Or a divorce happens. Or my child is unhappy. These events, and many, many others, test us. And when I say test, I mean they test us in the sense of we find out who and what we're trusting in. I think that's what happens when we go through any kind of suffering or change or unsettling time. It shows us what we've put our trust in. So in this morning's text, which is Acts chapter 1, the disciples are going through this time of great change involving something that they never considered for a moment. And what they didn't consider for a moment was Jesus wasn't resurrected to go back to life as usual after Easter. So Easter Sunday morning or Easter evening when they see him, And then they see him on and off for 40 days. It never occurred to them that he'd actually go and leave them. This once dead, now alive Jesus, yeah, he's he's not going to be with them that long. He appeared to many disciples over a period of 40 days. But he didn't come back just to carry on in exactly the same way. On day 40, he Ascends. In other words, he returns to the Father. On day 40, he's with the disciples. And one of the disciples asked him an interesting question. This is just before he leaves them. Acts 1, verse 6. Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel at this time? And Jesus replied, You don't get to know the time. What you will get is the Holy Spirit, so you can be my witnesses to the end of the world. It's like, (laughs) what? It's like the disciples have this goal, and actually it's a political goal. They've always had this goal. It's like, Jesus, when can we get our land back? We're an occupied land. When can we get rid of these Romans? When do we get our freedom back? When can, we, when can we have our homes back? We're, we're invaded. When are you going to fix this problem? It's a big deal to them. It always has been a big deal to them. It's important to them. They've spent a lifetime trying to figure out how this can come about. So imagine you've spent a lifetime pursuing something for yourself and your loved ones. And Jesus says, no, that's not what you need. What you need is the Holy Spirit. It's like, what does that mean? Like, Jesus, is this the time that you're going to restore Israel? Is this the time when you're going to fix things? Is this the time when your kingdom will come and God's will will be done and everything's going to be okay? No, that's not what you need. What you need is the Holy Spirit. In other words, you're asking the wrong question. What you think you need, students, is not what you need. You're asking the wrong questions. I mean, how many times does this happen in our lives? How many times does this happen? Like, when are you going to fix this situation, God? You're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. So intriguing, isn't it? What if we're on the wrong track and not getting the answers we want because we're asking the wrong questions? You know, why, why do these people, why does this person do that? Why do they behave this way? You're asking the wrong question. Why do I dislike this person? So you're, they drive me crazy. You're asking the wrong question. Why don't people care about the things that I care about? Why can't they see what's important in this situation? You're asking the wrong question. It's, it's, it's almost like getting our questions answered isn't always that important. It isn't what we need. In other words, there's a greater need. Oftentimes we're looking for answers and we think, well, if I could just figure this out and if I could just understand this situation or understand this person or this dilemma, then, you know, if I could understand it and have my questions answered, that would be much uh, easier, better. It would help not necessarily, not necessarily. Jesus says, no, what you need is the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, another way of saying this might be, what you need is, students, you need to learn how to tap into divine wisdom and guidance. Without me being here, leading you by the hand, because I'm leaving, so you, for, you can forget about defeating the Romans because that's not the primary task. Is it important? Yeah, it's important. It's not the primary task. You can forget about getting your land back. That's a secondary concern. Is it important? Yeah, of course it's important. It is a secondary concern. That's not the agenda he's saying to them. That's not your primary task. Your primary task is you'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. Now, we don't use that word often, but it's. I think it's really about you. Your primary task is you model the life that I've shown you. You keep on learning how to walk in the way, live in the way that I've shown you. You're my hands and my feet in this world. All the things I've shown you, students, you've got to keep learning how to love. Why? Because you haven't done it yet. You haven't completed the task. You have to learn how to forgive. Why? Because chances are we've still got work to do in that area. You have to keep on learning how to love. You have to keep on learning how to forgive. You have to keep on looking out for those who need help. When you do that, you'll be my witnesses. That's your primary task. That's the primary task. But wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. That's how he said it in in Luke 24, 49, which is a great, poetic, beautiful phrase. Wait until you've been clothed with power from on high. What does that look like, I wonder? What does it look like to be clothed with power from on high? Now, before the disciples could say, well, let's talk about this. I've spent my whole life pursuing this dream of getting these Romans out of here. He's gone. Before they can say, well, what's the Holy Spirit? Before they can say, how long shall we wait? What do you mean, we're your witnesses? He's gone. He's gone. Verse 9, Acts 1. As he said this, that is, as he told them that he was They had to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. As he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from sight. Now that's where we get the word ascension, the ascension. The church has called this the ascension. So there they are. They're left behind, and and they're, they're looking up into the sky, standing there. Like, what, what's going on? What's happening? And I have to tell you this, for those of you who are interested in, in, in the scriptures, this is just a fascinating little, little piece here. So, so there they are, the students, and they're looking up at the sky, right? Probably got their mouth open. They go, oh, like, where is he? What's going on? And suddenly, verse 10, Acts 1, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them and they said men of Galilee why do you stand looking up to heaven now this is great remember the Easter story in Luke 24 remember there was remember the women went to the tomb and there were two angels dressed in white remember the women are looking around this empty tomb and the two men say what are you looking here for why would he be here Why would would he be among graves? He's alive. You're looking in the wrong place, women. Same same problem here. Men of Galilee, what are you looking up into the heavens for? What are you expecting to happen? You're looking in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place. So we have Jesus' first students asking the wrong questions and looking for answers in the wrong places. It's like, don't look up into the heavens. You're not going to find your answer up in the heavens. It's gone on ahead of you. Keep your eyes horizontal. Don't be looking up there. Look around you. That's where you're going to see him. It's like, they're thinking, well, when's Israel going to be restored? Where did he go? Is he up there somewhere? It's like the passage, the text is pointing out the human tendency to so easily get off track. And Jesus is saying, you're asking the wrong questions and you're looking in the wrong places. That's why you're not getting the answers. The thing that gets us back on track is this Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Spirit of truth comes, The Spirit will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit, it is actually another name for God, but there's lots of names. It's translated as um, breath, spirit, pneuma, breath, wind. The Holy Spirit is, actually Richard Rohr calls it the stable witness, or we could call it the objective reality or the ho- i like the whole truth the holy spirit is the whole truth for example think about this let me think about this idea of the holy spirit being the stable witness truth just in everyday life reality what's really going on here much of the time we don't really see truth not really we don't really know what's going on a lot of the time. Because if I'm an anxious person, for example, then, and I don't mean anxious like it's good or it's bad. Let's just say I happen to be, there's no judgment on this. This isn't a good or bad thing. It's just like, let's say I'm just an anxious person. I was born that way. Okay, every encounter, every situation, every problem, I view with my anxious mindset. It's who I am. It's what I do. I can't help it. I'm always scanning the horizon, looking for what could go wrong so that I can try and make sure it doesn't go wrong. I'm always worrying about what could go wrong because it's my default. It's what I do naturally. Or, for example, if I'm an angry person, well, then I tend to take that impatience, that point of view. Wherever I go, and I filter everything through that lens, or if I'm sad, I filter everything through that lens. Now, whatever I'm, whatever I am, whether I'm sad, whether I'm lonely, whether I'm insecure, if I need to be affirmed, if I feel shamed, approved, whatever, if my inclination is to be negative, if the glass is always half full, is that actually true? Is that really the facts? No, it's my perspective, right? If I'm an anxious person and I'm looking at everything that could go wrong, is it true that everything could go wrong? No, not really. It's just the way my perspective, the way I'm looking at things. In other words, I take my limited perspective with me into every situation, with me into every conversation, with me into every decision I make, It's not all truth. It's my limited piece of truth. So when Jesus said that the Spirit of God leads us into all truth, that's a big deal, because the assumption is is that we're not operating in that area of seeing all truth. We're seeing a very limited part of the whole picture. Again, if I'm a bossy person, I'm kind of a controlling type of person, okay everybody stand back I'm going to show you how to do this better stand back if that's my energy everywhere I go I'm taking that energy with me unless I can learn how to tap into a greater force a greater wisdom what the scripture calls walking in the spirit, the Holy Spirit the stable witness the whole truth the spirit enables us to take off the glasses that are impairing our seeing, right? I take off my angry glasses. I take off my anxious glasses. I take off my sad glasses. I take off the, you know, lonely glasses, my insecurity, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit, the stable witness, the truth, enables us To take off these glasses that impair our seeing. It's the spirit, the breath of God, the life of God, the life force enables us to to step back and view life objectively. View ourselves objectively. And all our petty likes and dislikes can drop away a little. See, the thing is, is that once we see we actually don't see well. We've taken a massive leap forward in our emotional slash spiritual lives. When we see, when we understand, when we comprehend, we actually don't see things very well. We don't have the whole truth of the situation. We've taken a massive leap forward. In our lives. And this is why the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital for transformation and true change. True change as opposed to pretending to be changed, right? True change from the inside out. That's why Jesus said, No, what you need is you don't need your questions answered. What you need is, he said to his students, he's saying to us, what you need is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit enables you to change and be transformed, and give you wisdom that you just presently don't have. It's like we, we have to learn how to step back from ourselves. We would say nowadays, you need to get out of yourself. You need to get out the way. The scripture would say you need to learn how to walk in the Spirit. How would that alter things if I approached life and challenges and change from this, this position of, okay, maybe I don't have all the answers here. What if God has a better plan? I mean, what if God's ideas are better than mine? What's the chances of that? Yeah, pretty good. What you need is the Holy Spirit. When we can calm down and be still, that's the scriptural way of saying it, be still. We'd, we'd say, you need to just chill. There's the contemporary way of saying it. Need to chill. Need to chill for just a minute so we can observe what is driving us. What's driving us? That insight is the work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe anger's driving me. Maybe shame is driving me. Maybe fear and anxiety is driving me. Well, do we want to be led by that? No. No, we don't. Maybe the things I think I need aren't so important after all when I can move into a a greater perspective, a bigger, see the whole picture. When we can observe what's driving us, when we can observe what's motivating us and leading us, that's the work of the Spirit. Leading us into bigger truth, the whole truth, rather than our very, very limited and, and somewhat damaging perspectives. You know, when we get stuck in, a, in, a, in one way of thinking, it's damaging to us, and it's certainly damaging to those around us. So for these first students, remember the question is, well, Jesus, are you going to restore Israel at this time? You know? Did it suddenly not matter that Israel was an occupied land? No, it it still mattered. It was still a big deal to them. It mattered. But I think that their perspective changed and they tackled the problem differently. Their priorities changed. And I think the same thing happens with us. Because whatever concerns we have today, and maybe they're personal concerns, right? Maybe I've got decisions that I have to make, and the decision that I make today will shape my entire future. Or maybe I've decided that after working in this line for 10 years, this is really not working for me. I really, I really hate my work, my job. Or maybe I'm, I have a decision to make because one of my kids is in trouble. What do I need to do? Maybe I have some personal concerns, or maybe I'm burdened with something. It's not about me. Maybe it's something a bit bigger than me. Maybe I've really got a passion and a concern because I see the destruction of nature all around me. And, and climate change really does bother me a lot. I think about it a lot. I change my lifestyle to help it a lot. Or maybe I have a passion for clean water for people, so that everyone on the planet has clean water. Or maybe I'm concerned about health care for children in poor countries, that they might have the opportunities that we have. Or maybe I'm concerned about animal est- extinction, or monarch butterflies disappearing. It, it doesn't really matter what it is, right? These are big issues with, with planetary consequences. It's not that the spirit is saying these things aren't important, It's more these things and a million others. These things are too important to address without the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. It doesn't matter if they're personal concerns or whether they're planetary concerns, bigger concerns. We're moving from the particular to the universal here. It doesn't matter. These things are too important to address without the Holy Spirit, without the energy of God, without the breath of God, the life force leading and guiding. When the Spirit comes, Jesus said, the Spirit leads us into truth. But first, I need to get out of the way. I need to get out of the way. I need to stand aside. I need to open myself up to the leading of one who is far greater than me. And when I stop and I pay attention to what is leading me and driving me, there's the first there's the first step. I pay attention to what's leading me and driving me. Now, when I stop and I pay attention, chances are, chances are God has more for me. Yeah, especially if I stop. And I pray, or I'm just quiet actually, you don't have to talk, just just be still. And it comes to my mind, and I think I'm being led I think I'm being led by fear. Yeah. There's the heart cry, there's the prayer. Help me get out of the way so that I can be led by something far greater, something far more than my limited perspective. Something more than my fear, something more than my anxiety, something more than my shame, my anger, whatever it is, God, help me to just get out of the way so I can listen to your leading and walk in your way, walking in your spirit, in your life force. The life force always, always leads to healing. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic preacher, and we've been looking at how God helps us during unsettling times and leads us by the Spirit. Join with me again next week for another episode.